0: The Cincinnati Reds have won a series. That's right. You heard me. The Reds have won a series. Jeff never wants to use an opener ever again. And I'll tell you why the buck does not stop with Nick Kroll. All that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go.
1: You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We have been addicted to this Reds team through thick and thin for over four, well, much longer than four years, but we've been podcasting into our fourth season now, and we've taken that addiction and turned it into information for you on today's podcast here on locked on reds which is part of the locked on podcast network your team every day thanks for making us your first listen we're free and available on all platforms we're going to talk about this series that the reds one. Now it was a four-game series. It turned to a three-game series. Mother Nature in Cincinnati. We all know it can be a toss-up, but the Reds get their first series win of the season. We're going to break that down here on today's episode. That is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts, and I've got some thoughts about a strategy that some teams employ with success and the reds should just completely forget about that we're going to dive into all that including the return of la piedra here in a little bit but steve we have got to start off with success because let's face it the reds haven't had that much success this season but they did this weekend oh yeah why do I? I you know, <laughs>
0: they won a series, but I feel like it comes with an asterisk. You know that that whole rainout game and everything getting juggled and but you know what? Never mind. They won a series, and the, yeah. the fact of the matter is they scored some runs. They, it was entertaining baseball for the most part. I mean, there's some frustrating moments with some of the pitching decisions, but uh, you know, players performed. They scored some runs. They won some games. That's completely different than what we've got to see so far. So I'm all for it.
1: Was it perfect baseball? No. uh, You can point your finger at a lot of different scenarios. In fact, one of the best examples as to how the entire series went was on Saturday, the early game, whenever Lucas Sims came in to pitch, I believe it was the eighth, and he like loaded up the bases, I think it was a base hit and two walks, that he loads up the bases, and then he strikes out the side. It was like, okay, yes, there are some things that the Reds really need to figure out, but they had success. There were a couple of innings where the Reds scored all of their runs in, and that's all they needed to do. And at the end of the day, they were able to hold it down. I liked what I saw from Tyler Malley yesterday. Besides that one swing where he gave up two-run home run, he was pretty solid. I mean, 106 pitches in five innings. That just goes back to the narrative that a lot of people like to talk about him, and that is he needs to be more pitch efficient. But honestly, he was pitching pretty well, and compared to what we had seen in the starts before that, that was like Cy Young caliber, because he was looking bad there for a couple of days. But I was happy with what I saw out of Tyler Malley on the mound.
0: Yeah, you know, I just finished reviewing that start. I went back and watched it again because, you know, he did look better this time. I mean, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but... You're absolutely right. The the fact that his pitch count was so high is still a problem. And if he's going to, you know, we talked about this last week on the show, Jeff, that there there still has been this expectation with him to to get to that next level. And and we mm-hmm. said then that for him to do that, he was going to have to get more pitch efficient and he's still not there but this was definitely a much better Tyler Malley than we've seen at at any other point so far this season so uh you know I've said it with the youngsters and I think it applies to him as well if he can just go out and make the next start better than the last start and continue to build on that momentum then I'm okay with what he's doing right now it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be pretty every single inning every single pitch but moving in the right direction is what we need to see
1: And I think that this series is more of what we can expect whenever the Reds are healthy again, because, and hear me out on this, I'm not saying that they're going to win two out of every three games. I'm saying that what we will see from them is at times they will be a wagon and they will be awesome, and then in that same game, there's going to be times where they look like they are just a comedy of errors, like a whole bunch of things are going wrong. The question is, in a given game, can they withstand those waves can they withstand those rough seas what I saw from especially on Sunday from the Reds was okay the main guys Mike Moustakas Tommy Pham Tyler Stevenson weren't really doing much but you had Colin Moran with two home runs and by the way too before I continue the biggest the big picture of this whole entire thing that I'm saying Colin Moran off of Heath Embry how beautiful is that because we have had Just one crappy season up to this point. It seems like everything's gone wrong. Every time we think, oh, it can't get much worse, they figure out a way to make it worse. But it was like the baseball gods were just like, no, it's okay, Reds fans, just wait. We're going to have a former Pirate hit a Grand Slam off of Heath Embry. That was beautiful.
0: It was very nice. You know, uh, to your point about is this something we can expect from the Reds? You know, the more I think about it, the more I have absolutely no idea what to expect from this team when everyone's healthy because. None of them have played together the entire season. You know, we, we right. get caught up in the numbers and the win-loss record. And, and and listen, it has been bad. And all of it is exacerbated by Phil Castellini and his big mouth. And that made things so much worse. But, I, I mean, I got to tell you, when these guys come back finally off of the injured list that has most of the starters on it right now, um, I think it could be a whole different ball game and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everybody's going to get healthy and all of a sudden we're going on a playoff run and all of these things. I'm not saying that, but what I Print am the saying World Series
1: tickets now. Steve yeah,
0: John. no, no. But <laughs> I do think that there is a lot of fun baseball in our future. When all of these guys are healthy, this team is much better than how it has played. So far this season, yeah. and I think and I, we're just a few weeks away from the momentum starting to shift.
1: I agree, and, and I think that you know, to Colin Moran, uh, you know, somebody was joking—I forget who it was—but they're just like, "Give me the playoff tickets now. This is beautiful. The, they're going to make it." But I, do I think that's going to no? But do I think that the Reds are going to be as just absolutely futile as they have been? Absolutely, I think that when healthy. This just shows us. And the Reds are getting huge reinforcements back tonight whenever they face the Brewers. Luis Castillo being out of the rotation has been felt so very much. And it's going to be so very important for them. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But do I think that this team can avoid 100 losses when healthy? Absolutely. Because you weren't expecting Brandon Drury to be batting second, you weren't expecting. TJ Friedel to be getting leadoff looks like that was supposed to be Jonathan India period, plain and simple. We're really not arguing about it because he's the best leadoff hitter on the team.
0: I want to jump in on TJ Friedl right there, too, real quick. That bunt against the shift was, was pretty. It was great. He <laughs> completely took advantage of that situation on Sunday, and I love to see it. I know we talk about that all the time, and the situation doesn't always present itself. But in that moment, I mean, Friedl recognized it instantly. You know, catcher that's just been called up. Everything worked in his favor. It was great.
1: Well, and, and the beautiful thing, too, like obviously watching it, it looked amazing. But then if you even go and if you didn't watch it and you just go like on the box score and see like the progression of plays, it's written down in the scorebook as T.J. Friedel singles on a ground ball to the catcher. And you'd be like, huh? huh? <laughs> like, is he faster than Billy Hamilton? Like, that, that's crazy. Like, But no, I, I think that T.J. Friedel has a argument to stick on this team whenever everyone is healthy i i'm kind of interested in that but we can talk about that at a later date but all of that aside when this team gets healthy you're actually going to be able to watch them again because it feels like right now you're just like all right let's see enough beer yes enough chips and dip <laughs> yes we're good let's let's do this here we go but i i think that whenever everyone is back healthy this team Is going to be the team that we were talking about in the preseason as will they be a playoff team? No, but they'll be fun and and, and they'll at least keep us entertained until training camp. No, I agree with you. But listen, even though
0: the losing streak is over, there is one strategy the Reds had that needs to be over. And by the way, uh, Jeff, you called it. You said everybody should take the over. In this series of games, it's the first time in your entire life you've been right, and I called you out last week. Hey, so I want to. What give have you, you, done, for what have you give done for me lately? I want to give you the credit, lately? Jeff. You were correct. So uh, I hope you took the over. If I hope the listeners took the over and they didn't listen to me because the total runs in this games were boom. Don't do it against Brandon Woodruff and Luis Castillo on the mound. That's not a good idea to take the over, though. But if you want to learn more about taking the over or betting the under, you can head to betonline.net right now. If you're looking for the inside track on your next bet, Bet BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league news, and league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and if you were smart, you would have put some money down on the 80-to-1 shot to win the Kentucky Derby last weekend. They've got all kinds of things for you over at BetOnline.net. It is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to eSports to Vegas casino games and much, much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline.net It's where the game starts Thank you for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast. It's got recaps of all the MLB action with analysis from your local experts from the Locked on Network. They're going to take fans through the season like no other network has ever before. Uh, Locked on Now podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like Locked on Reds. Uh, also, make sure you are following the podcast on all of those platforms, including YouTube. Uh, coming to tomorrow's podcast, we are going to talk Luis Castillo. He is back and we're going to discuss just exactly how that changes the Reds rotation. All right, Jeff, you were talking about this and uh, I think we're going to get into how the power rankings shake out on the bullpen, but uh, you have some strong opinions about David Bell using and deploying the opener strategy in the remainder of the 2022 baseball season.
1: Yeah, and the first person that's going to say anything to me is going to say, well, hindsight's 20 I think that regular sites should have caught this because here's the deal. The Tampa Bay Rays are fantastic at employing the opener. Guess what? The fantasticness of the Tampa Bay Rays is not limited to that strategy. They're pretty good at a lot of different things. And one of the big reasons why they can do this is they are set up to mess up Platoon heavy lineups. I think that is the number one goal of an opener. Like if you're facing the San Francisco Giants, who have what feels like 38 different batters and they can go lefty righty with whoever they want to go to, you want to mess with that lineup. You want to put in a lefty opener and then go to a righty starter or vice versa, however that goes. The Reds have one lefty reliever, Steve, and it's Phillip Deal. I'm not trying to ask him to set the tone. I'm not trying to ask him to mess up some sort of platoon-heavy lineup because you've got a lot of guys, and and, and Philip Deal is not the only guy that's like this, you've got a lot of guys in this Reds bullpen that are trying to establish a major league career. They are trying to get used to major league life. They're trying to get used to the major league game. And you're going to add in this other layer of, hey, let's have you set the tone. Let's have you start. Because at the end of the day, when you pitch in the first inning, you're a starter. When you pitch at the end of the game and you get a save, you're the closer. That's just what it is. That's how the English language has determined what these pitchers are doing. So I don't want these young guys to come anywhere near that. Now, if we're talking about a year or two down the road when these guys are in, when they know what's going on, maybe we'll entertain this again. And maybe if Justin Wilson is you know, something like that, we can entertain him as an opener. I don't want him to do it the rest of the year because it has totally messed up the vibe. Both times they've done it. Luis Sessa got killed. Dowry Moretta and um, and, and Philip Deal got killed there in the first inning there. I don't want to see it again. I don't do it at all the rest of this season. Well, some of what you said is
0: correct, and some of what you said is not. Uh, We'll start with what you said that's correct. Uh, You know, it is difficult to just go out and say, we're going to be like the Rays. The Rays do a lot of things good. They do a lot of things very well, as a matter of fact. Uh, And you can't just capture that lightning in a bottle overnight. Here's where I disagree with you, though. Uh, I don't think it should really matter for a starting pitcher whether when they finally go out to the mound, it's the first inning or the third inning because – it's programmed and they're still setting up for the game the exact same way that they always do. They're getting ready, they're going through their routines, they're doing all the things that they normally do, and they're just entering the game a little bit later. For the relievers, I feel the same way. It shouldn't matter if it's the first, the second, the fifth, the eighth, the ninth. They have their warm up routine, they do it, they go. Uh, I don't I just don't see that it because it's the first inning it makes that big of an impact. I don't I think that's an excuse. The bottom line is that the relievers that we've asked to do it have not performed. They have not gone out and they have not delivered. Uh To to say it's because they were the opener and it was the first inning, well, that's the same crap that Rysel Iglesias pulled on us, and I'm not buying it. You can either pitch and you're elite, or you're having a bad day and you can't. And the, the simple truth of the matter is the Reds have had a lot of bad days. And hopefully those days are going to get brighter in the near future. But in the meantime, I'm not leaning on that excuse. These athletes are called upon to go out and perform at a high level when they're asked to do it. They haven't done it. They've failed. That's the answer, Jeff. That's really what's going on.
1: That's a fair point. And, and I I do notice that the two starters they've done it with is Riva San Martin and Robert Duggar. One of those guys ain't even on the team anymore. And the other is down in AAA. I, I think that there is a bit of a shoulder shrug of David Bell just like, all right, this is who I got. I think I should probably do a little something here. Maybe mix it up a little bit. Maybe help my guy out a little bit. I don't necessarily know that those were the right guys to do it with because I think that the Rays do it with every one of their pitchers. They do it on any day. Now, do I think that Tyler Malley would be receptive to the idea of not being the first pitcher out of the gate? I don't think so. I think that Tyler Malley would be pretty mad about coming out in the second or the third inning. But do I think that the Reds can effectively employ the strategy this year? I also don't think that that is the case. I I just think that these guys – don't need one more weird thing added on to their plate where they're starting out of the gate. I understand that, you know, they're professionals and all this other stuff, but the Reds already are stretching themselves thin with this bullpen of young talent. It's better, and I like it more than they had it last year where we were talking about Heath Embry giving up home runs for the Reds instead of giving up home runs to the Reds. But I think that these young guys need to be brought along in a bullpen environment that is predictable for them. And I don't think that the opener environment really is very predictable.
0: Well, the one thing that you're right about is when you look at openers, the rays have employed openers and they've done it effectively. And that's probably the whole list of teams that do it consistently effectively. So maybe there is something to what you're saying, Jeff.
1: Yeah, and I I think this also brings into, uh, uh, at least in my mind, a quick thought about the bullpen as a whole. Moving on from the opener idea, just looking at how the bullpen has performed as of late. We're doing this periodically throughout the season. Just do a quick power rankings when you're talking about this bullpen because I think at least while Lucas Sims was hurt, we had Tony on there on top. And then whenever Lucas Sims came back, we had the argument, is he already the top guy? I don't know as of right now if he isn't. In fact, I think the number one dude out of this bullpen right now is Art Warren. Dude pitched really well yesterday for two innings, allowing one hit. That was phenomenal stuff.
0: You know, you're probably right, and it's going to be throughout the season. There's going to be ebbs and flows to this thing. One guy is going to be hot while another guy is not. It was Tony Santian early on. He was just a beast. He scared the crap out of everybody uh, when he came out of the bullpen. And then it shifted, and it's going to continue to shift. I think you're right. It's probably Art Warren right now. I am not counting Lucas Sims out. I really no. like what Lucas Sims brings to the game. I like his intensity. I like how he pitches. I think that as this team gets better around this bullpen as the starters numbers improve and there's not so much pressure on them as the offense gets healthy with all the players returning and they score more runs. It takes more pressure off of these pitchers to, they can go out there. I really think a lot of them are really trying too hard right now. I think they don't feel like they have any margin of error. I think they feel like they have to be perfect and, they do. That's really the truth <laughs> at this point. They do. So as that improves, as they have the ability to go out there and pitch their game, I think we're going to see these guys kind of start vying for who's the number one dog in the bullpen versus being at a clear cut. Well, he's the only guy that's hot right now. So I think that's the direction we're moving. But I agree with you. Art Warren is probably the hottest arm in that pin right now.
1: Yeah, I believe that if you were to swap bullpens of the Reds and the Brewers, which it's topical since the Reds are facing the Brewers tonight, I think if you were to swap the Reds and Brewers bullpens, sure, everyone knows the Brewers have probably the best bullpen in the major leagues, but even they would be pressing to make up for the starting rotation for as bad as it has been this season. And do you think that you're getting the exact same performances out of Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Brad Boxberger, uh, Andy Ashby, all those guys? If they've got to pitch like two to three more innings every single night, I don't think so. So this is not what bullpens are asked to do. So, yes, I agree that there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows. And with that ebb and flow, I think that means that Jeff Hoffman's in the top three. Ooh, Jeff Hoffman's uh,
0: probably number 2, brother. I mean, it's time for you to rankings. buy the jersey. Buy the jersey. <laughs> I don't want to. You buy coward. Him. I <laughs> saw your post on Twitter, Jeff, and you it's cold. I had to wear a jacket. Get the jersey, you coward.
1: <laughs> I I can't believe it. He's he's pitched so well and I've actually gotten to the point that when they're like Jeff Hoffman's coming out of the bullpen, I'm like, "Okay, I, I I'm okay with this." So, congratulations, universe. Uh, but yes there's there's a lot of mixing and mashing I do think Tony Santeon will continue to vie for the top spot he's very talented he's just hit a a bit of an ebb Where you're talking about his control's not quite been there and it feels like he's relying on his slider a lot and hitters know that and so they're just sitting on the slider they know when it's coming It's whenever he can drop that in there unawares and, and, you know, dip it out of the zone that guys are swinging and missing and looking ridiculous with it because his fastball has just not been that effective for one reason or another. That'd be something I'd be interested to dive deeper on. But, and then you've still got that young hodgepodge of people. And then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's Hunter Strickland. Although he has been a little bit better these last couple of days, but I, I just, I maybe he is replacing Jeff Hoffman in my hate list. I don't know.
0: You know, I, as bad as it's been to watch the young guys get beat up, it's my hope that they're, these are learning experiences. Yes. The Reds were never going to be a, a postseason contender, uh, despite what the front office has said. Uh, the whole idea for these youngsters was to learn this year and get ready for 23 and 24. So as far as that goes, that mission is still 100% squarely on track. And it's just my hope that they're actually learning along the way.
1: I totally agree. And speaking of learning, we're going to learn a little bit about this Reds team as the La Piedra experience returns tonight with the Reds and the Brewers and Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the Brewers, too. We'll talk about him in a little bit and also why Nick Kral probably isn't totally to blame if to blame at all for what is going on with this Reds team to start the year. And if you want to figure out who to blame when it comes to your diet, it's yourself if you don't have any Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com or Built.com today and get yourself some Built Bar because it's going to transform your diet because when you're talking about limiting yourself on food the first thing that you think about is something sweet something chocolatey probably especially if you're like me i love chocolate and if i'm being told what i can't eat that's my first question can i eat chocolate well with built Bar, you can because it's protein bars that are packed with lots of great health stats and covered in 100% real chocolate, plus you got the puffs, if you haven't had a puff yet, you've got to go to Built.com, and get yourself some puffs, they just brought in birthday cake batter puffs, I, it's a marshmallow that has protein, and it's birthday cake, get it, Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 today, to save some money off it, plus they got amazing flavors like churro puff, and they've got cherry barcia. I got a care package coming in from built bar that I, I I've ran out of my stock here recently. The puffs are gone. I got to get more of them. They're coming in. Make sure you get yours to built.com and use that promo code locked 15. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's and you can follow Steve at S often with two F's and you can follow the show at locked on reds with no F's. All right. Uh, it's interesting because there were some quotes over the weekend that Ken Rosenthal shared from Nick Craw. Nick Kroll said, "If you're gonna blame somebody, blame me. If if you're and the way that he phrased it was kind of funny too. If somebody's gonna blame somebody, blame me. As if nobody's putting blame for anything. Like, come on, welcome to the world, Nick. People blame people. But when you're looking at the Reds' really terrible start to the season." How much to blame is Nick Crawl?
0: Well, this was interesting. All of this, there was an interesting back and forth between a lot of uh, players on Twitter uh, when, this, when these quotes came out. And, you know, for me, Nick Crawl is going to be the guy that gets fired. He's going to mm. be the person that when the fall guy eventually comes, when someone goes on the chopping block, it's going to be Nick Crawl because they can't fire David Bell. And they can't fire Phil Castellini. They can't fire David Bell because... The Castellini family and the Bell families are so tight; they can't fire Phil because, well, you know, he's Phil. So <laughs> neither of those things are going to happen. They have to fire Nick Crawl. Now, is is Nick Crawl responsible? No. He's 100% following marching orders this entire time. Now, if you want to say to me, well, but yeah, but Nick Kroll's the one that went out and, and brought in Minor from the Royals. And he's the one that went out and signed to this guy. And he's the one that went out. Listen, everything that Nick Kroll had to do was reactionary to what he was being told by the Castellinis. You can't hold him accountable for any of that. He had to trade Jesse Winker. He had to move Suarez's contract. He had to do those things. He had no choice. And everybody he was trying to negotiate with for a deal knew that. They all knew it. So he was in a position of he can't win. So for me, you know, I feel bad. He's going to get fired. He's he's worked his way up. He spent a lot of time with this organization. And he absolutely should lose his job because somebody has to.
1: I agree uh, that he's on the chopping block. I I think that saying he is not to blame for the moves that he has made brings up a totally different question. I agree with you. It's very reactionary. He's following marching orders. And then probably after they cut payroll a whole bunch, the people giving the marching orders freaked out and was like, oh, no, no, go get go get people go get them real quick. Go get them. And so he didn't really have a whole lot of time to be like, well, this is the most worst part of the offseason to go get people because everybody's been got. But whatever. But if you can't blame him for that, then the question is to me, was he ready to be a general manager or was he solely promoted to be a yes man?
0: Absolutely. That's why they hired. That's why there wasn't a search. That's why they didn't go out and try and get somebody because one, they'd have had to pay money for them. And two, you couldn't go ask somebody, listen, we're going to bring you in, we're going to give you the title of baseball president of operations or whatever they call him. But by the way, we're making all the decisions. Nobody's taking that job. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I know people say, well, there's only this many of these jobs and everybody wants. No, nobody's taken that job. Nick Craw was promoted to be the guy that did what he was told. And I ventured to say had probably shown the ability to do what he was told over several seasons being employed by this organization. So, of course, that's why they hired him.
1: I would agree. And I think that that is important when understanding when the move comes down, because I'm with you. I believe it's a win, not if scenario when it comes to when will Nick crawl be fired. I think it's important to note that when that happens, number one, it's going to be a uh, a play for PR points by this Reds organization. Yep. And we as fans need to understand that this is the Reds admitting that what they are doing isn't working. However, their reaction to that is really where the PR is going to come in. It's not going to be in the simple firing of Nick Kroll. It's what do they do next? Because if it is simply just, you know what, Walt Jockety is going to take over as general manager, then I'm not excited at all. Mm -mm. It's, if we're doing a search and we've got an interim general manager, but we're doing a search, we're going to do, then we can start having a conversation of have the Reds changed their philosophy because the PR comes from the Reds telling me that they agree they've been doing things wrong and they're going to change things up. If it's simply just, we're moving on from somebody and putting somebody else in here to do exactly what Nick crawl was doing anyway, then well, whatever, you're just reshuffling the chairs on the Titanic.
0: You're absolutely right. I think that uh, how that is handled is going to tell us, it's going to answer a lot of questions where you don't even have to ask them. How they present his firing, how they present the interim, and the actual actions they take to replace him will tell you everything you need to know without having to ask one question of the Red's ownership group. But you know what, Jeff? I don't want to end on this. I don't want to stop today talking about Firing Nick Crawl and all of the bad things that have happened to lead us to this point. I want to talk about something good. I want to talk about something positive, and we are going to talk about La Piedra. And coming back to this Reds rotation. Now, we're going to get in tomorrow what that means for everybody else, but let's let's just talk a little bit about what Luis Castillo is bringing back. His last time out, four and a thirds innings, seven Ks, two base on balls, three hits. He threw 76 pitches. 48 of them were for strikes. So 76 pitches, I think, is a key number because we talked yep. about this a couple weeks ago. You can't bring him back and have him throw 40, 50, 55 pitches. He needs to be at 70 to 80 pitches this first time out at the Major League. League level in order to not overtax the bullpen.
1: Yes, I agree. And I, I would hope that the number is 80 there and we know, I mean, look, this is something that people have complained about for years when it comes to both Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo is that 80 pitches probably only means he throws, you know, for maybe five innings. Five innings if he is just ridiculously efficient, and there's probably not a chance of that because the this Brewers team is a very pesky lineup that is going to force him to throw a lot of pitches. So just be ready for that. There's going to be a little bit of frustration, but I think that overall, this is an amazing thing because you're talking about the return of the ace. You're talking about the guy that we know for a fact is the best pitcher on this team. And he is back. And my expectations for him is that he's going to pitch at a Cy Young caliber. I don't necessarily know if that means that he's going to pitch. He's going to finish in the top, you know, three or whatever of Cy Young votes. But especially with the time that he's missed. But I think that the performance level from him, we will be talking about, Okay, the red starting rotation is going to start figuring things out now because he is back and he can set the table every fifth day.
0: You know, I said in the beginning before the season started that what we needed was a sub three ERA type Mm -hmm. of season from Luis Castillo. That still holds true. Even though he's missed time, even though he's missed starts, if he can keep that ERA down and allow three runs or less in his time on the mound, he's going to bring a lot to this res rotation. He's going to teach these youngsters a lot, and it's going to have a trickle down effect that we're going to get into coming up tomorrow, Jeff, but that is probably the spot the positivity of happiness where I want to go ahead and wrap up for today. Coming up tomorrow, we will talk more about Luis Castillo and we will have one star in the books to review and break down and probably way overanalyze, but that is exactly what we are going to do. Thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen. Now make Locked on MLB your second listen sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues both past and present locked on mlb just like locked on reds is free and available on all platforms jeff it feels like we might be getting our baseball team back and it feels like that other crummy team might be going away in the multiverse of madness uh, for you marvel folks out there what can folks expect from us all along the way the rest of the way We
1: will be locked on Reds every single day.